Have you heard of Raise Them Well? It's our company that we started back when I was pregnant with our second son, Hutch, and we couldn't find the supplements and the trustworthy products that we were really looking for for our own family. And so Wiggy and I decided to create our own and Raise Them Well was born. We provide a lot of different products, including vitamins and supplements for your children, really great magnesium products, prenatal vitamins, and more. So make sure you check out RaiseThemWell.com for all of those offerings, especially if you're looking to clean up your family's products in the new year and maybe just get a little bit crunchy. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Healthy Discourse. It's Emily here along with Dr. Wiggy, and we are coming to you recording in Key West, we're here for a little long weekend getaway, which is something we prioritize that we'll talk about today. But I'm telling you that mostly because you might hear music in the background. And we're recording from our hotel room, but there's music everywhere in Key West, which we love that. Live music everywhere, but we didn't mean for you to hear it, but you might. So anyway, what you got to say, Wiggy? Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, what do I have to say? Yeah. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, we hope this will be um, informational for you. Yeah. Uh, this is something that we, we, we try to prioritize as far as spending time uh, together. And we also want to you know use this time wisely. Uh, we don't have a lot of time without kids running around. So I figured you might as well hop on and do a, a quick podcast. Sure. So um, kind of being here and talking about why we do what we do is kind of what spurred today's topic, which is how to thrive during the busy years. And I want to start and preface that by saying that does not mean that every moment is perfect and in order and thriving does not mean that thriving doesn't mean perfection. Thriving doesn't mean we get it right every time. It doesn't mean that, you know, life is all rainbows and unicorns if only you can master these three steps. So that's not what we want you to take away from today. But over, you know, Wig and I have been married for coming up on 17 years this year and in a couple months on his 40th birthday, we will have been together for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And so really I feel like during the entire time we've been together, God has grown us and shaped us and helped us to figure out in lots of different seasons what does it look like to handle these things that I've given you mm. and for them not to overwhelm you and for the world not to overwhelm us. And it's a process. And I think that during every season, it looks a little bit different. But as we were eating a long, leisurely lunch together <laughs> earlier, we were talking about like, how do we actually do this? Because, mm. you know, people, I mean, I don't even know how many times every single week I hear, I just don't know how you guys do everything that you do. Like, you've just got so much going on. And I've never met anyone that's busier than you guys, which number one, that's not true. There are plenty of people that are that are busier than us. It just looks lots of different ways. Sure. And I think we undervalue the work that a lot of people do. So this is not a busier than thou kind of thing. And I actually really dislike the word busy also because busy is not an intentional um, 
use of time necessarily. And so, but I think we can say that these are busy years. There's a lot going on with four little kids, multiple businesses. Yeah. Wiggy trying to do his best to treat people and, um, you know, share more truth with what's happening in our world right now. And I think that even just being aware of all that is eye-opening into figuring out what we're going to talk about today. And so, again, we're talking at, at lunchtime as far as what does that look like? How do we focus and do what we do without becoming overwhelmed and all consumed and taking on the weight of the the world because no one can do that. And we kind of came up with three things Mm -hmm. and they, you can't do one. They're, they're, they're in order. Sure. Right. And the first one is identity, both personal and your identity as a family and as a couple. So individually couple and then family that trickle down, that kind of order of things that we often get out of whack, but yeah. that is really the way that it has to be done. Will you tell us a little bit about what that means? Sure. I think maybe before we even get into the priorities or before those specific um, things we talk about, I think it's also important to talk about, you know, what does it actually mean to thrive? And I mm. think that's that's... Uh, because I think if we're going to talk about that, how to thrive during challenging times, and you know, this has definitely been challenging times uh, over these past couple of years. Mm-hmm. Thrive, like you mentioned, is not necessarily everything is good all the time. Mm-hmm. And the kind of way that I look at it is, you know, when when we're taking care of newborns, uh, one of the things that uh, one of the diagnoses is is failure to thrive. Mm. And basically, what that means is that the the newborn is not growing and getting healthier hmm. um, kind of as they as they get older because uh, that's the natural progression right they should get they should get, they should be growing and they should be and they should be maturing and getting healthier and so failure to thrive means that something is something is blocking that something mm-hmm. is not not allowing that to happen and so I think from a thrive standpoint that's a good way to think about anything that we talk about today whether or not that is personal relationships whether or not that is marriage or taking care of kids, is that there's there's always this element of growth and there's an element of maturing. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably actually the best way to define what it, what thriving really is. It's not necessarily achieving certain things, right? but it's that, that traje- trajectory that things are growing and things are getting better. Mm-hmm. So now back to your question about, you know, where's kind of the first thing? And, and I think the first thing is probably the most important. Well, it is the most important because everything else does fall under, underneath this. And if this part is wrong, so if you're listening, this is, this is the most important part. If you get your identity wrong, then you'll get your priorities wrong, mm-hmm. and then everything else will just, will be out of, will be out of balance, and will be out of whack. Mm-hmm. And so to, to thrive, I think you do need to have your identity, and, and of course with, with us, the only true identity that matters because it's, it's easy to put your identity in certain things, you know, mm-hmm. in work or in status or uh, relationships. But the, your identity has to be grounded in something beyond yourself mm-hmm. and beyond your personal relationships. It has to be grounded, for me, it has to be grounded in faith, and that is faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. Because that is what's going to drive everything else. 
And so if you're, you have that, that identity part figured out, then you'll know if you're doing other things, other things well. Right. I think that also, and it, and it helps to frame anything because there's always, you know, urgent bombshell things that happen both, you know, professionally, personally, literally every single day. And I think it's so great to be able to then frame all of the things that are happening. Does this really matter for eternity? Mm -hmm. And the answer most of the time is no. There are things that do, for sure. Um, But it can be really helpful to frame when you've got your identity figured out and framing everything that happens, everything that's on your plate, everything that is needed to be done that day out of the lens of who am I and what matters Mm. and what doesn't really matter. And usually in comparison with what the world tells us is important, those things are turned completely on their head, on their heads. And therefore that sense of overwhelm that naturally happens when we do get caught up in the world and not that that doesn't ever happen because I can name 15 times in the last week that both you and I were both feeling overwhelmed, but being able to take that and reflect on, okay, who am I? Does this matter? Oftentimes the answer is no. And so, yes, I have to address this thing, but this does not make or break who I am Mm. or, or the, God's definition of success, which truly is growing closer to him and walking out the calling that he's given you. And that's it. Sometimes you're going to fail, but that's, again, not my identity. And so, like you said, it has to be kind of, it has to be the ground level foundation before anything else can happen or else we will 100% absolutely crumble. Mm. And I think we see it happening, all of us, around us, everywhere. Yeah. So I think identity for sure is what you're talking about and asking yourself the question, you know, does it, does this matter? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that goes kind of into what I think our next point will be with priorities. Right. But I think even bigger than that, I think it's, you know, identity being, again, for us, that we are children of God and that we are under his rule and we are under his authority, Right. So if we put ourselves in that lens and that understanding, then we also understand that who's in charge. Mm-hmm. And if we get if we get out of that mindset that we can control everything, mm-hmm. it actually is very freeing in a lot of ways too. Yeah. So because with challenging times, I think what causes a lot of tension for a lot of people is that they feel like they can't control it. I said, well, if I, you know, if, if only this was better, then then all these other things would be better. Mm-hmm. And so they just really try to fix whatever that is, and then they figure out that there's just another problem mm-hmm. right behind that. So putting yourself under that rule and under that authority, which again is a hard hard place to get to, where yeah. you're like, okay, I, I just have to trust God in this situation, that He's in charge, and that everything that's happening is part of His plan for me. And for the world, mm-hmm. and, and we have to trust that. Then that also again gives you some, gives you a different perspective just on on the world, sure, and and everything else. And so you also feel less. 
constrained by the world. Right. And you feel less overwhelmed, less anxious, I would say, for sure, and less um, less controlled by it yeah. in a lot of ways. Well, and what I mentioned earlier, and just to define that a little bit further, is does this align with my purpose? Well, our purpose that we learn in God's Word is literally only to glorify God in all that we do. And so whether that is folding laundry or saving lives, we should be glorifying God in all that we do. And that, you know, that and making disciples, which mm-hmm. that, that, those are really our two main things that we're to be doing. And if we can do that through even the tough things, again, it might not look perfect. It right. might not look like a success or accomplishment in the eyes of the world. It could even be through through suffering. Yeah. And it is through suffering a lot. Glorifying him and making disciples is ultimately all sure. that matters. And that helps us to boil things down a lot and to not get caught up in the chaos right. of that everyday life can throw at us. Yeah. I mean identity and purpose are, are closely intertwined, mm-hmm. right? And I would say that it's even a little bit a little bit deeper than even just with that, with with uh, glorifying and making him known, is that we all. I think our ultimate purpose really is 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 just having a relationship mm-hmm. with with God through Christ. Right. And so, if, and then if you have that relationship, then you will glorify Him because you sure. understand what what it is to glorify Him, and you also will make Him known because you are in some ways being transformed to be more like like His Son. Right. So the, I think the the relationship is actually the the most important thing, and through that, these other things kind of flow. So I do think that's where identity is is again the the top thing because identity and purpose those go those go hand in hand. But then what flows right out of that is the priorities. Right. Right. And then and the priorities is also where I think people get so confused as far as what really does matter mm-hmm. and 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 how should I kind of rank these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and th- there should be some degree of ranking as far as sure. what is what is more important in in life and in, in turn- eternity, because if you also are putting things above certain things. Then things that's where that's I think that's where that that discontent and that confusion is so like you're putting this thing on this highest level when it really should probably be towards the bottom. Right. So I think for us with our priorities again, identity and having that relationship with with God is number one. Right. And then number two I think is marriage. Mm-hmm. Number three is kids. Mm-hmm. And then number four is kind of everything else. Right. And number four would be kind of you know work and. Uh, activities and sports teams and I mean right. everything below that is you know after the after the top three and unfortunately a lot of times number four becomes number one mm-hmm. and that could be any number of things that could be work that could be money that could be sports I mean it could be something be like anything, that yeah. or you do number three and this probably happens more often kids become number one mm-hmm. and then that's also where the priorities are are out of alignment right and and things get so weird and I think we've seen that over the past year when kids become the ultimate mm-hmm. number one then you only see it through that bubble right is that we have to do whatever we possibly can to make sure our kids are you know are are taken care of and that they're the ones that are the ultimate um 
we had well, to do everything for that. But and I think another thing that we've seen, and this is you know gives an example of how it's like everything else. We've seen safety become number one. Right. You know, nothing else matters. We've got to be as safe as we possibly can, which means all of these other priorities are out the window because mm-hmm. we've got to make sure that we are all kind of staying in this bubble and making these decisions to right. be safe. Right. So that's a whole other thing that just kind of gives a completely different perspective. But I think what you're saying also, when we have that identity in Christ, we learn from his word that the priorities that you shared are what right. he, you know, the ways that, that, that Jesus set up for us to have and value our relationships and then everything that comes right. after that as well. Work is important. The Bible makes it very clear how important work is. Right. But it doesn't elevate above these other relationships. Right. I mean, in some ways, it's even controversial to be talking about those things in that order. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think culture does say kids are number one. Right. You know, that's what culture says. And, and if not kids, yeah, I think they probably say kids number one as far as a cultural ranking. And then I'd probably say job is number well, two. Well, let's not forget that people are not having kids more and more and more and more. Yeah, that's true. And so therefore... Well, that'd be job the number one. Job right. and life satisfaction mm. and me being able to do what I want to do right. are... Right, elevated one, yeah mm-hmm. that's true yeah yeah and i think and that's where i think there is that confusion if you are getting all these messages that those things are the most important thing then actually we won't do really anything that well mm-hmm. if, you, if you if you don't have the top the priorities in in correct order and that's true. you know going back to what how do you know how do you know if you're thriving mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's sometimes tough tough to define but i think if you if you understand that that order if number one is thriving mm-hmm. if your relationship with with God and your time in the Word and your time in prayer and your time with community, if that is thriving, then usually number two is more likely to thrive. Mm-hmm. And then if number two is thriving, if right. your marriage is, is, is doing well and you're prioritizing time with, with your spouse and trying to study them, trying to figure out um, how they feel loved, if that is thriving, then a lot of times the kids will thrive. And so there is, I think that's also really important to understand is that it's if you want to have, you know, really healthy and well-adjusted kids mm-hmm. i think they have to have that those other things in order good relationship with the lord strong marriage and i mean of course there are there are also people that are they don't have that that that, that, that don't are doing this by themselves mm-hmm. and so you don't need the marriage for that right. for, the, for the kids to, to be healthy and well-adjusted but that is the design right as it goes and it goes in that order right and and it's fascinating um i think focusing on marriage and and we talked about this too people have the idea of dating i think completely flip-flopped in a lot of ways that you know dating really is about pursuing your spouse and whatever that might look like and so it doesn't have to be and i think honestly it's not as it's not as fulfilling even if it's this big event and you go to the most expensive restaurant in town and you know and it's this majorly planned kind of thing or I mean not to ruffle any feathers but I talk about this a lot too where like going to watch a movie as a date when you're in a season of having young children at home 
that is not a date. Like if you're not being able to sit and 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 maybe it's not sitting, maybe you're more into adventure, but if you're not able to actively communicate, Mm -hmm. you know, going hiking or whatever that might look like, we've, we've got this idealized version of what dating means and really it is intentional time with your spouse. And so that might even look like when you've got a bunch of newborns at home that you might not leave your house that often. It's nice if you can prioritize doing that, but it's really that set aside intentional time where no one else has any attention and you're focusing on each other, whether it's, I mean, reflecting on on your day, talking about things that are happening with the kids, and you know how you're going to tackle all that together that's a huge way to thrive Mm -hmm. in that we're we're growing together even though we might not spend very much of our overall days together we don't do that most days during the week but we're coming back together as a family in the evening and we're prioritizing that time to reflect on the day to help and encourage each other to help problem solve together you know whether it's with a relationship or an issue at work or somebody else that Wiggy needs to hire, that seems to be what my job is to, these days to help with. Um, you know, it, it looks lots of different ways, but ultimately that's what we're doing. We're coming together, bringing our lives back together to love and encourage. And if you never leave your house and you never go on a, I shouldn't say never, you still need to prioritize that time. But if most of your quote dating time is in your living room and you light a candle and you're just sitting there looking face to face, talking over your day, that's still that's really important. Yeah. And you will be you will thrive way more than the person that goes out to dinner and a movie once a week and doesn't even talk at dinner cuz we we always see these people doing this. It's yeah. so confusing to me. Well, I think it's <laughs> I think people people oftentimes correlate proximity with quality time. Mm, that as long good. as I'm around the person, then, you know, some somehow we're able to naturally communicate or something like that's just that's just going to happen uh, magically. But that, that actually doesn't happen. And this can be one of the harder things, I think, to, to do during times that are challenging mm. is that, and this is definitely for me, is mm. that a lot of times, you know, I'm seeing patients from, you know, eight to, you know, five o'clock and then wrapping things up and basically talking to people all day. Right. And as kind of a natural kind of to- lean more towards introvert. Right. That that really is hard to be basically on all the time, mm-hmm. talking all day and then come home and do the same thing. Right. And that is actually one of the more challenging things. And I think for guys particularly, that that's hard to understand how important that is. Sure. That That is a critical part of a marriage that you need to have that time set aside of for communication. Right. Not just for proximity right. or actually uh, for talking. And so that's something I've had to kind of wrestle with mm-hmm. and pray through and try to understand that yeah. too because it's it, and I think it goes both ways too I think you also have to understand when when they well, that's just what I was need saying. well let, let me let and let me flip that on its head too yeah. because for me in the past I've kind of been like well you know not understanding that wow like Wiggy must not like me that much if he doesn't want to be in close proximity to me 24 7 you know all the time well, that's not true we have to understand how we naturally are energized yeah. and there are plenty of nights where I know that he's really worn out from work I can just tell because we've been together a long time he doesn't have a lot of reserves and I try my best to not 
ask a lot of emotional, mm-hmm. you know, I ask a lot from him. If I can help it, sometimes I can't, right? Sometimes it's like, no, we really need to address this thing now, yeah. but generally not. And and what I've tried to learn and try to apply is, okay, he needs me to like give him some space, number one, but also to just simply ask the question, what is it that's going on that I can help with? Mm. And sometimes yeah. it's it's there's a very specific thing and that I can see automatically will kind of give you a boost, yeah. you know, just that one, like, Oh, I'm, you're helping <clears throat> me solve this problem. Right. Um, we might not even come up with an answer, but it, we're thinking through it and that takes a little bit of that pressure off. Mm-hmm. Right. And so learning to pursue and read and understand our spouses, that's well, never sure. going to end. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and I think, what does it say? Like you marry a different, what is it? Your spouse changes know, into a different person like every seven years. And I think that's absolutely true. Yeah. You know, we're moving into what would be the third section of those seven years, um, or completing it, I guess I should say, yeah. which is crazy. Seven, but, yeah. um, and I think there's a lot to that. And we, the more that we learn and grow together, but the thing is, we can't do that and we can't learn and know if we aren't intentionally spending right. that time together. Right. And this whole idea of, quote, growing apart, I think really happens because we all are going to grow we are going to change we are going to go through different seasons of life and if we're not pursuing christ together and growing together and prioritizing each other and learning and understanding then we are going to grow apart right for sure i I think that that's that's a that's a wise way of, of putting it and i think another specific thing when you're talking about just communication and how can you know and study and uh, better understand your spouse I think this is also where it's more challenging for guys, but I think you have to be very vulnerable with your weaknesses too. Mm, that's true. Is that, you know, these are the things that I'm struggling with now. Mm-hmm. And, and as a, you know, as a spouse, you need to understand your, your, your husband or wife is not perfect. Right. They're going to have things that they're struggling with and they're going to have issues that they're having more of a tough time at different seasons mm-hmm. of, of their life. And I think that that is actually probably the, the best way to truly understand somebody or, and truly love somebody is to understand what their weaknesses are mm-hmm. uh, during a season and be like, okay, let's, let's, let's keep working through that and let's keep talking through that and let's keep praying through that. And uh, so, cause that's, and that's, that's the vulnerability that there has to be in an intimate relationship. You mm-hmm. have to be able to talk about, talk about hard things right. because and even just with communication, you know, it's, it's not just proximity, it's communication. But with communication, it's not just like superficial communication. Right. You can't just talk How about was your day? Fine. How work, was your... yeah. <laughs> weather, sports, kids. Yeah. It can't just be only, you know, superficial discussions. You actually have to get into the yeah. to the to the grime sometimes because that's where growth and that's where you you do you know merge together more right. so when you're dealing with those issues well and it's asking those questions too like okay so you're completely burnt out from your day okay why was there one particular situation that seemed to like really push you over the edge and a lot of times i'll ask wiggy these kinds of questions i can tell he hasn't really even thought about it yet and mm-hmm. they'll but you're you can easily identify it and sometimes that can be really helpful too because you're willing to share like yeah this one thing just really got to me and i can't figure out why and then usually together we can figure out why because it it brushed on a weakness or a tough spot or whatever it might look like or something from our childhood because you know things happen in childhood that we never get over so um 
The other thing I want to make sure that we touch on with this one is this also is all boils down to your family. So we've talked about individual relationships. We've talked about marriage relationships. It's also there's we have identity. We have priorities within our family. Mm-hmm. So we should be communicating with our kids as they grow up and are able to, you know, understand this is what this is who we are as a family, and these are our priorities, and here's why. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, and that should look a lot different than the world looks. And what I'm realizing as our kids are starting to get older now is having those authentic, real, sometimes hard conversations with them while they're still young, I can see there's already tidbits of fruit happening. Mm -hmm. And my prayer is that we can take all of that framework, groundwork into these next seasons of adolescence, which is coming soon and quickly and be able to continue building on that versus trying just to go back and fight behaviors and, um, you know, right. whatever that might look like that we don't like and we don't agree with so that they can understand and it's framed in an early, early and often into here's what we stand for, here's why we do what we do, here's why we don't do these things. Um, just as an example... Our oldest is nine, and he, you know, thinks that he's grown and mm-hmm. has a very um, independent and um, strong-willed personality, to put it lightly. <laughs> and that's not, there's a lot of good things yeah. about that, but we've had to have conversations recently about why it's not okay for him to watch certain shows that mm-hmm. some of his friends watch. And what I'm realizing is because we've talked about these themes for a long time, it helps him. We might not like it, but it helps him to understand why. Mm-hmm. Because we've talked about this for a long time. And, like, there was one in particular where I even told him, like, Daddy and I have watched this. And there were themes in it that we didn't even think were appropriate. And we turned it off because of that. Yeah. And so, you know, and to be able to help them understand and set that example so not only are you helping them understand identity and priorities earlier, early that you're that they are a part of because they're part of their family. The goal is is that you're helping them create their own identity and priorities so that when they are launched into adulthood, they're able to do these things well. Yeah. And that's my ultimate prayer. We are we have not been tested yet yeah. by any means. So. Sure. Well, yeah, we'll see how things go as as they get older. Right. But that's why I think it's important also that we talked about kind of the the priority of these mm-hmm. these importance, uh, you know, with number one being the relationship with Christ, number two, marriage, number three, kids, because like I said, if, if it falls at number one, then number three is really going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And, and But also being able to point back to number one. So mm-hmm. like with parenting and like, you know, just the example of, you know, what sort of things can they do and what sort of things are we going to allow? Mm-hmm point back to, to Christ and, you know, what, what is, what is the appropriate thing and, right. and, and pray through this to try to get a good discernment from the Holy Spirit as far as what's, what's appropriate here. Um, because I think you do need to have, you need to have some sort of a guidebook as mm-hmm. far as and, and guidelines for what sort of, what is going to be the things that you, that you do allow and that you do, you know, of course every family is, is, will figure that out mm-hmm. uh, to some degree because it's not going to be exactly it doesn't say every specific example in the Bible as far as sure. this is what you do, but you use it more as for as far as you know guidelines, and you use it for again the Holy Spirit to give you more more instruction. 
Uh, the other thing I'd say, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about marriage because again, if the marriage is strong, then the kids are going to do better. Mm-hmm. They're, they're going to thrive. And so the other thing uh, that I wanted to point out with marriage is that the other important thing during challenging times is to realize that you're on the same team. Mm-hmm. Is that, you know, so it's, it's easy to, to get to the point when you're so overwhelmed and so burnt out and stressed out to start taking it out on the spouse. Mm-hmm. That's natural. They're the closest one to you. You're going to be the one to, te- you know, to, to turn things around and say, you know, start blaming them for, for certain things. That, that, that is kind of the, that happens all the time. Uh, so I think that that's just another thing to hear in the back of your head is that they're not the enemy, that they're not the problem. Mm-hmm. They're there to help. Right. And that you're on the same, on the same team. And so that also helps you once you start, start dealing a certain way or feeling a certain way. Like, why am I feeling that way? Mm-hmm. Am I feeling like they're the problem? And then, I'll, well, that's not, that's not the actual issue. The actual issue is just the work is so crazy. Right. All right. So I think if you always remember that, then it also helps you to frame the struggles that you're going with sure. without making things worse. Because in this, when marriage gets stressed out, then the kids get more stressed out. Right. And then, like I said, everything's falling apart. And I think, too, I mean, what you just said made me realize and remember just some recent just a few weeks ago, times where we were both kind of at our wits end and we didn't handle everything perfectly in our communication. And so I don't want to be conveyed that if you do these things and you're constantly thinking about them, then it's always going to be perfect. We had to have some really kind of tough heart to heart conversations about a month ago and talk through some of these things to even realize some of this and to reframe things and remember how we can love and support each other even when reserves feel very low yeah and so that's why the 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 priorities and the order matter so much also why i thought it was important to define what does thrive mean Mm -hmm. you know you can be going through challenging times and even be going through challenging you know issues with within a marriage Mm -hmm. and you still be thriving sure because you are working through it yeah you know and you're growing and you're maturing and there has to be that tension in order to grow right too so i mean you know there's Thriving does not mean, and I think we've, we've been pretty clear with this, is that thriving does not mean everything is good all the time and that, you know, kids are perfectly behaved all the time, that you go on, you know, these extravagant trips and you just, you know, love your spouse and that's all, you never have any uh, disagreements or... Right. <laughs> thriving is not perfection. Right. Well, and I would argue that if you're, if you feel that way, that like you never have any True. tensions with your spouse, that probably you're not actually communicating mm. that well. So, and I'm, and yeah. I know that might like no, feel uncomfortable, but yeah. um, there have been marriages that I know of that have ended and right. up until the major problems happened, they thought that they mm. got along so well and therefore I don't understand how this could ever happen because everything was so easy. Mm. Marriage, a really good marriage should not feel easy. Mm. I don't, I mean, I don't think that that's, because you can't be fully vulnerable and communicating because we are broken people and we're loving broken people. And I can't help but go back. We were in First Corinthians. I can't remember which chapter, but it was about marriage last week. And Pastor our Pastor Brandon um, said, he went, took out the, the Jerry Maguire quote that says, oh, yeah. you complete me. And he said, what they should have said is you complicate me because yeah. that's true. And so... I think having bumps and hard spots in your marriage, instead of looking at that as a, oh, we must be mm. doing it wrong, if you are thriving in the definition that we've been giving, 
then no, like you're growing. Right. And as long as you're loving and supporting each other and have that good communication going, then, you know, you're, you're going to be okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's to take some of the pressure off. I mean, really for a marriage to thrive, it's almost a miracle. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, in a lot of ways, if you think about how how broken and sinful each person is, mm-hmm. and you combine them together, and then a lot of times you add kids into the mix. Mm-hmm. I mean, for a marriage to not only survive, mm-hmm. you know, because yeah, marriages can survive if you're just if you're just stubborn enough. I'll just, <laughs> just stick together just just for the just for the purpose of sticking together. Right. But a marriage to truly thrive, there has to be yeah, there has to be that that growth. And there has to be that foundation. Sure. I mean, because really, from a marriage to thrive, it really is a miracle, I think, yeah. in a lot of ways, for two people to grow closer together over the years. That's a, I mean, that really is kind of a miracle. That does sure. require, I think, a, a supernatural element for for things to, to thrive. And I do think that's that's one area where I feel like I can say confidently, I, I don't, I can't say real confidently how, how, how well of a, job we're doing with parenting i mean we, yeah. i feel like we're, we're doing uh, the best we can with the information and the the individual kids that we can but i would say from a thriving perspective for for marriage i think that we are thriving because things are growing mm-hmm. and we are continue to grow together and mature together and growing closer to christ together right. that is that is thriving and i said I, I also do believe that that's probably the best way to try to identify if your kids are have the best chance for thriving. Mm-hmm. If your marriage is thriving, I think your kids have the best chance for thriving. Sure. Well, and also we talked about setting an example earlier and you're setting an example for them as to what marriage is supposed to look like. And I think it's fine for, I don't think that they should only always see the perfect parts either. Right. If you're treating each other respectfully and lovingly and working through hard things together, that's really important for them to see and understand. But I wanna make sure that we don't, we have a couple minutes to dig into the last thing, and that's boundaries. And generally, women especially, everybody, I mean, we're really bad at setting boundaries. And so if we get these first two things correct, our identity and our priorities, in order to keep those things in the right order, we have to set boundaries with everything else. And boundaries means a lot of different things. So we need to have boundaries with our kids. You know, we on the weekends are like, you can't come out of your room until this time. I think some people think that's probably insanely crazy, but that's fine. That's how we have established boundaries in our house so that we can sleep in a little bit on Saturday mornings and we need that rest, and so that is what it is. So that's that's kind of with kids, but I think we need to set boundaries for our kids and with our kids, but, all, but even bigger so, all of those outside forces that we talked about. We need to set boundaries with work and when we shut it off. We need to set boundaries with our extended family and what, and, and what we will allow and will not allow to come into our immediate four walls. We need to set boundaries with technology. We did a whole episode on that. We need to set boundaries with outside voices in general. When are we going to shut off the news and shut off mm. all kinds of media and that kind of thing? There are so many opportunities that we have to stop the things that overwhelm us. We feel like we can't, but we absolutely can. I think taking inventory of 
what is it that makes me feel the most overwhelmed and how can I set boundaries to keep these priorities in the right order is incredibly important for every individual, every couple, and every family in order to make sure that we're saying yes to our best yeses and no to the things that don't matter. Um, and I'm happy to give a couple of examples and how we do that in our family, marriage, or if you want to say something first. No, I mean, I think boundaries, of course, are, are critically important. I don't have a, a, a whole lot to add from, from that angle. Uh, the thing that I'd probably leave people with, and this is from, the, from still going back to kind of the kids' uh, perspective, is also just being uh, honest and vulnerable with them to some degree. Mm-hmm. Is that, that for them to not necessarily see you as perfect either. Sure. So that when when they understand that you struggle with things, they're going to understand that, that it's okay for them to struggle right. uh, with things and for them to be able to talk uh, through those things with you. So uh, that's, <clears throat> I think for me, that's the, that's the key with all these things is that, you know, the being open and, and honest and transparent with God, mm-hmm. number one. Being open, honest, and transparent with your spouse, number two. Being open, honest, and transparent with your kids, number three. And then these boundaries, I think this is more, you know, that's, that's more kind of uh, application. Sure. And I think that you will understand where to set those boundaries if you are doing those other three things. Yeah. And just to give a couple of examples, I mean, I think boundaries with kids, you know, that is very individual. I would definitely encourage people to go back and listen to our technology and kids episode we don't have a lot of technology in our house, period. Our kids are totally fine. We just gave them his his yeah. super old iPhone that is not a phone. It They, they just take videos because they really like making videos. So yeah. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no nothing except for they can take pictures and videos. So they think that's really exciting. And, and we have access to those. Yes. And our kids are, they're adventurous. They go outside. They're creative. They... They're fine, you know. Yeah. They don't need that. So sure. I mean, I think yeah. If, if 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 you want one one key tip, which is well established by the research, mm-hmm. is that setting boundaries around technology is probably the, in some ways, the easiest thing you can do, because you can actually just take things away or set yeah. locks on them or set timers on on things, and yeah, just limiting access to uh, technology. Gosh, that's mm-hmm. huge. Yeah, but I think um, as far as individuals and as Family, too. So for setting boundaries, you, there are things that in order for you to establish that time in the evening together that you're going to have to set boundaries around, whether that be I no longer answer my work phone or emails after this time or in our house as best as we can, which is all very imperfect. And there are plenty of deadlines and projects and messages that do need to be answered. We try really hard to not spend much time working on the weekends that has not always been a part of our boundaries that we have and but that really helps us to prioritize a lot of family time on the weekends um we try to not have a lot of activities on the weekends that doesn't mean we don't ever do that but we really have a lot of downtime and family together time on the weekends and then there's date night. So literally almost every week there is something going on that we're invited to do. And sometimes those are really fun, exciting things on our date nights. And we say no to those because we protect that time with, you know, that that is 
protected time. So it takes a lot to move a date night off of a calendar. Mm. Has to be something incredibly important. Um, any other examples that you might share? No, I think we should wrap it up. I think yeah. we've, we've probably been, we've done a good job going through those things. But I think probably, <laughs> people probably get into the point. I of think he's their calling attention. me. He's calling me long-winded without trying to be disrespectful. No. Mm-hmm. no. So anyway. If you have questions, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you have input, we love to hear that too. Topic ideas and so forth. But thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope and pray that your families will thrive.